0: trades injuries week seven was full of defining moments for a few franchises and the rest of their seasons let's take a look welcome back to the punt return podcast for week eight of the nfl season i'm your host Ryan Lepore still feels a bit odd to be sitting in this chair, but I'm joined, of course, as always, by the great man Nick Splitter. Nick, how are you going, mate?
1: Loving it, mate. I, I I like you in the big chair. <laughs> I think I think the pod's gotten better and better since you've taken over.
0: Well, I appreciate that, mate. I'm not I'm not too sure. I've had big big shoes to fill, but hopefully, uh, doing you justice. Now, what's uh, got you smiling so much this week, mate? We'll we'll quickly touch on the the Nothing. elephant in the room.
1: Nothing at all. No, nothing at all. It's not like any of my teams are doing anything good, but uh, the Eagles are six and zip unbeaten and the Phillies are in the World Series and it's uh, hard to complain at the moment.
0: Well, the Sixers are, are kind of bringing that average down a little bit. We don't, we don't talk about them.
1: We don't talk about it. <laughs> it's them. not
0: basketball season yet. Anyway, so we, we obviously, the Philly Eagles flying high and, and the great man, Nick, was actually even contemplating jumping on a jet plane to go see his boys over in Philly, but... Uh, we yeah we might put it that on ice but if like I said we'll be here all night if we, we we talked about the Phillies so we'll quickly jump into the talking points for week eight coming up for the NFL season if you can believe that almost at the halfway point already and let's start with uh, the Jets the J-E-T-S Jets they are absolutely flying and uh Big news during the week, of course. Obviously, their, their star rookie, Brees Hall, who who's, was taking all before him and, and really come into his own scoring in four consecutive games and, again, had ripped that game apart uh, against the Broncos before going off with what we know now was a, an ACL and, and season over, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, I mean, I thought my uh, my futures mm. bet was, was looking good for offensive rookie. He'd um, really, in, in the last month or so, really kind of come into his own and, and like you said, was just was just dominating. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, so so disappointing both for him and for the Jets because I think the the way that they were playing, they were they were you know, reliant on him. They were playing through him. Um, you know, we, we know how run heavy uh, the the Jets are, and they were utilizing him in so many different ways and giving him different looks uh, and touches. And and that was a huge shame. But but we do know that they've made that trade during the week to to replace him at least for this season with uh, Jimmy Robinson from the Jags, who who fits that kind of what they're doing in New York perfectly. He, he'll be almost that bell cow, give
0: Michael Carter the change of pace, kind of roll the third down, which which we kind of saw in the last couple of weeks. And and we know Michael Carter himself was a, a very valuable rookie last year. And, and of course, Robinson the year before that. So look, it's, it makes sense, the trade. It's a, it's a quality trade. James Robinson even started the season as that number one back in Jacksonville and and, and played really well. And, and they've now kind of gone with a different direction, but... Yeah, smart move by the Jets to, to quickly replace him and hopefully keep that momentum going.
1: I think it makes sense because, I mean, Robinson's been in pretty good form. Mm-hmm. He's been a really good player for you know, a number of seasons already. And, and we'll touch more on kind of some of his stats later on when we when we look at the Jets game. But um, yeah, for, for, for three years nearly, he's been a really solid NFL player uh, and, and one of the best, kind of most consistent players um, you know, kind of bruising backs. He just keeps running. He, he keeps, keeps running. He keeps those legs moving. He keeps the yardage um, happening and, and moving the chains. Uh, and and I think it works. This this trade works for both franchises because I, th- I think the Jags were looking to get Travis Etienne more involved, and and obviously they're throwing the ball a lot with with Trevor Lawrence. So I think it works for them. It kind of frees up Etienne. It gives Robinson another chance to be that number one guy for a, at least another season, while uh, Brees Hall you know, rehabs and recovers and, and all that sort of stuff. So I think it's a really good move and, and well done to the Jets for for getting it done really quickly. Yeah, he couldn't couldn't agree more, mate. Well said. And,
0: and like you said, it probably works for the Jags for that exact reason that you pointed out. But the interesting one is, yeah, the weakness there for the Jets at the moment is that pass game. So Zach Wilson still needs to take that next step, doesn't he? And that's probably what's, you know, not holding them back at this stage, but... You know, as they get onto the better teams, it, it's something that they'll need to be able to do is is keep up with dynamic offenses. As we know, the AFC is full of them.
1: Yeah, look, they're, they're a work in progress, uh, as we know, on offense. And and it's just a shame because they were working, you know, they were developing almost week on week uh, the way that they were trending and, and you know, getting better and better. And I think that, that uh, you know, Zach Wilson was, was developing with that offensive unit and, and having... Brees Hall to to rely on, Um, and they've they've got some talent. They're they're starting to put it all together, but that is kind of the the slowest part of the offense to develop. and, And, you know, if they can start getting some more out of the quarterback position, then yeah, you know, they're going to be in a really good, a really good position moving forward.
0: Yeah, hundred percent, mate. Well, we'll we'll move on to some other injuries that caught our eye in week seven. Some really important guys, including David Njoku, who's probably having his career best year in Cleveland. Mm. The another defensive guy down in 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 LA for the Chargers this time, JC Jackson, who who looks like he'll be out for an extended period. Of course, DK Metcalf under an injury cloud in Seattle. And Ryan Tannehill, another big one. Uh, Tennessee's leading or starting quarterback, and and a guy that's you know had an unbelievable record since since crossing over to to the Titans. So yeah, it's an interesting one there with him, especially coming you know hobbling in a moon boot, and it might give a chance to Malik Willis, the rookie, to to get a start this week.
1: Yeah, look, it's it's a really tough. I mean, all all those guys having having pretty good seasons, like you said, and, and it feels like every week we do this. There's another big name or two or three or four that are kind of in, in this conversation. Tannehill's the interesting one. Uh, he very well may play, but like you said, I mean, he was he was in a moon boot only 18 hours ago uh, and has just had that taken off. He practiced uh, today at uh, US time, and, and yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if he plays. And, and there are question marks about whether Malik Willis is ready to take the reins for, for a start. Um, I think he played three snaps last week, kind uh, of- only one at quarterback only one at quarterback and, and he handed that off to uh, to a runner. So, you know, it's going to be really interesting to see if they utilize him this week, if he's ready and, and what that looks like. And, and again, we'll talk about that matchup uh, a little bit more in depth, moving moving on a little bit later, but I mean, JC Jackson's a huge loss for the Chargers. David Njoku, like you said, having a career year uh, has been a really important part of that, that Cleveland Browns uh, passing offense and, it was it was a pretty important part of my uh, my fantasy team, and I'm having to rely on Hayden Hurst this week at at Tide, and he's been pretty good. But uh, yeah, I would have would have liked to have David and this week, and and hopefully he's not uh, not out for too long.
0: Yeah, look, well said, and and Hill, who incredibly, I, I had to kind of take have a second glance at this when I read it, but he's he's actually 35, sorry, 34 and 15 in his career in Tennessee as so a starter. So I mean, and we know they were struggling and he kind of came and burst on the scene and, and got him to an afc championship game but 34 and 15 just shows you how consistent the guy's been over the past four seasons so yeah credit
1: to- and, I, and i read a stat as well similar to that that mm. i think if he plays this week that's his 50th his 50th yeah. start for the titans and and he would only be the fifth quarterback to make to play 50 games for the for tennessee very it's pretty amazing
0: yeah absolutely i mean and, the, and it hasn't been a a long storied franchise, but it's it's still been around for what thirty plus years, actually probably even more. So, back when they were the um, the Oilers or um, before then. So, yeah, we'll move on to the probably the biggest news of the week outside, of course, those injuries we mentioned and the big trade, Christian McCaffrey, which we outlined on this show exactly last week. That we said that it'd be it'd be silly for the Panthers not to entertain trades. We probably both didn't expect it to happen. <laughs> you know, the day after, literally the next morning. Yeah, so, but Christian McCaffrey to the Niners, wow, it was it was big news. Oh. And I mean, it's still way too early to tell how how that's going to all play out. But uh, yeah, it's it's a great pickup for for a Kyle Shanahan offense.
1: Huge, huge move. And, and again, I mean, like like with uh, the Jets and James Robertson, like well done to the Niners for getting it done. Uh, I, I really don't think that they, it was a big trade, but I'm not sure they overpaid. Uh, I think they did the right thing for the, for their franchise. Um, they, they got a good deal. Uh, the Panthers got a good deal. Uh, I think it's kind of win win for everybody. We we know the Panthers are kind of in this rebuilding phase now, and and I still expect there to be some other moves, like we we touched on last week with DJ Moore and potentially Brian Burns. Brian Burns was one of those guys that I was really hoping that the Eagles might have a play at, and they've made a move today as well. So, uh, yeah, look, I, I think I, I do think that. Uh, McCaffrey evens up the, the Niners' offense a little bit more. I think we obviously we saw what they were doing with Jeff Wilson at running back. We know that Debo Samuel runs the ball as well uh, and, and how dominant he can be, uh, whether it's on the ground or in the air. Uh, and, and I think that you know, for, for those who have Debo Samuel from a fantasy perspective, I think what it does do is that it potentially removes some of those um, those ground plays from, from the playbook for, for Debo. But I think that it over the next few weeks, you'll start to see him getting some more targets, some more receptions. So PPR leagues, I think it will be a, a benefit to, to Debo Samuel and, and Samuel managers. But, uh, you know, for those non-PPR leagues, then you, I think you might lose some of those the, the rushing yardage and, and that's the stuff for Debo. But I think it's, yeah, it's a really good move for, for San Francisco. Uh, I think it helps him in, in a lot of ways. And I saw a tweet straight after that trade saying that Jimmy Garoppolo now has the best running wide receiver in the league and the best catching running back in the league uh, on his offense with him. So that's, you know, it's it's interesting times to see how they make it all work, but I I think they will.
0: Yeah. Oh, look, he's he's a perfect fit for that offense, isn't he? And and he'll certainly bring a lot to that offense and and how they scheme it up and just give him a different look. And I can't wait to see him in action against the Rams this week in a, in a huge game uh, in the context of the season for the NFC West, especially. And I think, Though, the loss to the Chiefs, who, you know, I was a little bit worried after we had that locked in for the lock of the week before the trade, but uh, ended up saluting pretty comfortably. And I think the, the, the biggest glaring issue there for the Niners, as well as how bad they were, I suppose, on defense, again, with all the injuries last week, was just how pedestrian Jimmy Garoppolo can be in games. and. He's just not that guy, is he, that can kind of have that shootout. He's not a guy built to be playing from behind. And as soon as they can't get the game on their terms, he's he's not a great quarterback, is he? Uh, in, in, well, that's in, right. I mean, I don't it's, think harsh, it's a harsh kind of thing to say for a guy that's, you know, he's led his team to an NFC Championship game just last year, the year before, or sorry, a couple of seasons before, into a Super Bowl. It's just not a team built to, to play from
1: behind, though. I uh, spot on spot on they're, they're a team that needs to needs to bully teams yeah. from from the opening play and, and they need to kind of be up early I think you, you kind of they, they rely so heavily on their defense and, and we know that they've been decimated again on defense and, and that doesn't help them uh, but they really need to score early and play from in front so that they can control the ball they can run it um, little dink passes and and just move the chains uh, you know we, we've spoken a number of times over the last couple of weeks about what the Giants are doing with Brian Dayball and, and Danny Dimes uh, in New York. And, and I kind of feel like, you know, the Niners need to do something similar and not ask Jimmy G to do too much, not not look for those big plays, you know, clutch plays like you expect from your franchise quarterback, but just keep the ball moving. And then you rely on the the dynamicism and and the, the incredible skill set of guys like Debo Samuel, like Brandon Ayuk, like, uh, Christian McCaffrey to to make those plays happen and and to be the difference makers on offense.
0: Yeah, absolutely, mate. Let's quickly touch on the other trade you did mention just before, and that's Robert Quinn from the Chicago Bears. He's landed at your undefeated Philly Eagles, and only giving up a fourth round pick to get a guy that's you know it's going to make a big difference to that pass rush. It's it's a, it's a good win again, maybe a win win for both teams, but it's certainly a win for the the undefeated Eagles, that's
1: for sure. I think so. I mean, I, I was really high on Brian Burns as as I have been for a number of years, and anyone who's listened to this show for over, over the last few years knows that. Uh, but you know, the price for Brian Burns is incredibly high. Yeah. You know, the, the word is that the, the Panthers are looking for two first rounders, and you know, I'm not sure that the Eagles are, are in that in that market. Um, and, and what they are able to get for a fourth rounder in Robert Quinn, who's you know, was a three or four time Pro Bowler. Uh, he had 18 and a half sacks last season. Uh, I know he's been been a bit quieter. We know that this Chicago Bears defense this season is not quite the same unit that it's been. But, uh, you know, the Eagles currently rank third in, in pass rush win rate. They're 11th in adjusted sack rate. You bring in a guy like like Robert Quinn to to add to the unit that they've already got, all of a sudden there's, that's looking very, very solid. Um and it's pretty hard to complain about about that move from from either party.
0: Yeah, yeah, too right, mate. But yeah, for sure. I think it's a it's a it's a great move for the Eagles who are in win now phase. And, you know, like you said, just adding and strengthening that, that pass rush is, is only going to benefit that that defense overall.
1: And and they get to keep they get to keep two first we've got two first and, yeah, rounders this season that. as well. I've got the Eagles have their own first rounder plus New Orleans's first rounder, which, you know, could be a top five pick potentially. So you know, it's, I think it's a really solid, safe move.
0: now another good move by the the GMs and the and the people behind the scenes at, at Philly, mate. So you must be smiling ear to ear on that one. Uh, a couple of teams that aren't though at the moment, and they're they're really struggling. And, and it's not often we get to say it about two these two number twelves is Aaron Rodgers and, and Tom Brady, of course, for their respective teams. The Bucks that was the, one of the most abysmal performances I've ever seen, and and just an absolute turn up to lose to the Panthers who were going through all this turmoil. They just traded out their best player. They were in tank mode. The Bucks, wouldn't, you know, uh, playing a, a division rival who, you know, they, they dominated in the last few years and, and only owned that division. And somehow they, they are below 500, which is the first time since 2002 that Tom Brady's been below 500 this far into a season. And I, I just don't know about the Bucks at the moment. They obviously get a chance to bounce back. Pretty quickly on Thursday night football. It's gonna be a very interesting game tomorrow, our time. But the Packers again got off to a hot start and then just kinda of capitulated in that second half. And and the Chargers, that wasn't really ugly performance. And I know we mentioned it last week how how bad they've been playing, but you know, that had they've had three straight wins which kinda of glossed over kinda of a little bit about how bad they were actually playing and then the Seahawks came to play and, and
1: steamrolled them. Yeah, that's right. I think you spot on there, and starting with the Bucks uh it's probably the you know not probably but that's without a doubt their worst performance of of the Tom Brady era in uh in Tampa uh and you know I wonder how much of an impact you know his personal life is having on his own play and uh and and we know how much of a leader he is for that franchise and so if he's not playing well then the franchise isn't playing well uh and, and they're in real trouble if they can't if they can't pick things up in the next kind of 3 to 4 weeks the packers we know what their struggles we know where their struggles are we know that they don't have a passing offense they've got one of the greatest quarterbacks of of the modern generation one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time in the passing game and and they just have no passing game because they they're so lacking in talent in skill players on on the receiving end uh and it's it's a real struggle and on the, on the other side of the ball we were expecting a lot more out of their defense and they just haven't shown up this season uh, and and they're in real trouble if they can't turn that around. And and the Chargers, like you said, the three straight wins were, we're papering over some cracks. But but we've been talking about those cracks for a while. Uh, and, and again, they they kind of need to they need to start turning things around if they want to be a, a legitimate playoff contender.
0: Yeah, they they absolutely do. And and the defense is killing them at the moment. And, and to be honest, they're not really getting much continuity going on the offense. And again, of course, they've lost Mike Williams, who'll will be out for. You know, we think for at least four to six weeks, he's got a high ankle sprain. That's usually kind of the timeline to be expected for those. And, you know, Kenan Allen only just came back for his first game since since week one last week. Uh, Austin Eckler's been the bell cow, of course, at running back, but he's also been their, their leading receiver in, in pretty much every game or at least for over the last three or four weeks. So they certainly haven't helped Justin Herbert he, himself, obviously dealing with those rib injury, that probably that rib injury, a little bit of um, after effect from that still. He hasn't quite looked the same. In the pocket since since getting smashed uh, by I think it was Frank Clark um, by the Chiefs in in week three or week two or whatever it was and yeah the other two I think is enough enough's been said about them and they just really need to get back on the winners list it's going to be a tough one for the for the Bucks this week I can't remember who the Packers have got this week I think it's another another tough game for them though well I mean compared to what they've been playing the last Packers. week it's it's oh well, yeah they've got to Buffalo so
1: goodness man that's it. Yeah. yeah yeah very tough game. And <laughs> great, great way, great way to build the confidence oh, against the Bills mate. in Buffalo.
0: It's crazy to think. And, and look, if you said at the start of the year, I know how good we know Buffalo would be, but 10 and a half point favorites, Buffalo, like you just wouldn't expect yeah. that. And, and
1: it's, it, it's the equal biggest, equal biggest line of the week. And I think if if you said that three weeks ago or, or, or you know, at the start of the season, knowing what what we know now about the Green Bay defense. I think we would have been, we would have thought you were joking at, at that stage. Oh, but uh, yeah, they're, they're in real trouble. Mate, I,
0: yeah, absolutely. And there's no way you could even, with any sense of confidence, think that they could even cover that ten points. You'd think the Buffalo Bills will, no. will have their way with them at home as well. So yeah, danger signs there for the Packers, who, you know, continue to fall further and further behind the Vikings in the NFC North. While at least the Buckers, the, the Buckers, the Buccaneers, kind of saved. In the fact that they're they're still leading the division, so it's easy to salvage the season a lot more for Tampa than it is for Green Bay, who are kind of running out of time. One hundred percent, and you know they're not going to be a, a wild card team um, if they can't win that division. So, yeah, danger signs for a couple of the big names uh, teams. And one name, it's not so big, but uh, they're six and one and absolutely flying is the New York Giants. I know you don't want to talk about them too much, mate, but. A really good stat you've put up, and I'd love to love to run it through and, and tell us what it means.
1: It's it's pretty amazing, and yeah, I, th- I think everybody knows that I've been a detractor of the Giants over the course of, of this season, and I, and I think still within reason, I don't <laughs> think I've been out of line in any of that. But but they keep proving me wrong, and at some point, that's going to have to switch. Um, but you know, one, of, one a great stat that I saw uh, early this week is that uh, when trailing in the fourth quarter this year. The Giants are four and one from that situation. In the, over the previous five seasons, they're three and fifty-eight. It just shows the, the change in mentality, the mm. change in confidence, the change in game style that allows them to just get back into games and do what needs to be done. And, and we mentioned at the top that kind of that that Brian Dayball, uh, Danny Dimes connection, which is just it's just working. You know, they're not doing anything special. They're not, you know, not. Breaking the bank, they're not—they're not changing anything or doing anything sensational, but they're just getting it done, and you know, good on them. Oh, look,
0: and it's—it's
1: it's unbelievable that stat to to go from three and fifty-eight
0: to four and one. It's a—it's an unbelievable turnaround. And the great thing, I suppose, for the Giants in their win last week was they didn't have to come from behind. Oh, well, they did come from behind. Eventually, initially, they were trailing in their last quarter, but what they did at the end was—you know—they had to kind of survive a bunch of penalties, a late game drive by Trevor Lawrence, uh, a, you know, home crowd, giving him just going crazy in Jacksonville. And and somehow they just held on and the defense did enough. I mean, Christian Kirk caught the ball at the one-yard line and, and the Giants kept them out of the end zone. But it was just another way to win and, and they just found, you know, they just found, kind of found that winning formula. And, you know, when when momentum, it's a funny thing in sport and they're certainly riding that at the moment. And 6-1 and, six and one with another winnable game this week. I know they're on the road, but... They could easily be seven and one, which just sets up your season, and
1: not too many teams miss
0: the playoffs if any uh, with a record
1: like that. So um, it's it's an amazing an amazing situation hmm. because I th- I feel like you look at any team that's come from where the Giants have come from, and you look at what they've done this year, and you go, well, their their coach must be coach of the year at this stage. You know, they're six and one, coming from you know, a number of years of losing records and and you know where they've been over the last kind of three to four years. But they're not like they're not doing anything special. They're not uh, they're not revolutionising anything. Mm. They're, they're just playing hard, and you know it's it's just a mentality change. And for, for them, I think it's just believing that they can do it. You know they haven't they haven't had massive you know a, amazing turnover of talent. If anything, they've lost talent over the last kind of twelve to eighteen months, and and the the demise of that. Uh, receiving core in, in New yeah. York with the talent on paper that they've got on that roster is is quite amazing. And the fact that they're doing what they're doing despite that is is incredible. And so I guess my question to you is, is Brian Dable coach of the year at this stage? Oh, look, it, it,
0: he'd, he'd be one of a few candidates. I mean, Robert Seller... Putting his name up, um, of course, the, the the guys like Nick Sir, Nick Sirianni, you can't knock him. I mean, he's got his team undefeated, mate. Uh, of course, and and you've got still guys like Andy Reid and Sean McDermott in the conversation as well. But I think without a doubt, you probably have to look to to the two New York teams at the moment to to try and find a new coach of the year. But yeah, hard to go past Brian Dayball at this this early stage. And you know, if they can keep this record going and then they can keep eking out wins I, again, how sustainable is it? not too sure. We, we saw kind of, it, you know, uh, in the AFL with Collingwood, just winning all these close games and just doing enough. But, yeah, I mean, why not? It, 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 they're, they're, certainly, um, they're certainly doing what they need to at the moment, and, and you can only beat the teams in front of you, and that's what they've been doing. Now, I'll let you read this quote, mate, because I think it's um, a piece of poetry, and I know how much you've been high on this guy as well.
1: <laughs> now, I saw this on the NFL Network a couple of days ago, and it was David Carr, former number one, pick in, in the NFL draft, the NFL quarterback, won a, won a ring, or albeit as a, as a backup. But David Carr said, if you swapped the nameplate off of Geno Smith and Russell Wilson, you would say he was an MVP candidate. And, and I guess what he's saying is that Geno Smith is so underrated that despite his stats, if you put a different name on his jersey with his stats... That you're talking about this player, this quarterback, in a very different light. What do you reckon? Oh, I
0: couldn't agree more. I, that's why I, I found it so interesting because it's exactly right. And you know, Geno Smith hasn't got the credit he's deserved, and, and neither have that, those Seattle Seahawks, which are incredibly leading the NFC West, if you can believe it. They're, they're four and three, the only team above five hundred in that in that stacked division. So it's been a remarkable turn of events, especially the way you know the other way's gone in terms of Russell Wilson's been. Probably one of the poorer quarterbacks this season, and and then obviously to see what Geno's done is you know essentially he's been a backup and been in, in the wilderness his his whole NFL career since you know he got given that opportunity in New York and he hadn't even played a snap for three
1: or four years before he you know got a got a look in last year in Seattle. So it's been an incredible. And he was only meant to be a holdover this year as well. That's it's right. Like, yeah, yeah, I we mean we're aiming for a for a top two pick in the draft. We're going to get one of the boom. QB rookies Ooh. and and that's it. That'll be the end of Geno Smith again.
0: That's right. Well, Drew Locke he- was going to be the starting quarterback until he he pretty much showed him preseason and and maybe on the practice field that he ain't the man. And <laughs> he probably you know lost the spot more than maybe Geno won it. But now Geno is just playing complimentary football again to his team. He's he's getting the ball downfield. He's still got you know pretty good weapons in, in Tyler Locke and DK Metcalf to throw the ball downfield to. He's obviously had a hugely um, supportive run game with Rashard Penny at the start of the year. And now, uh, Kenneth Walker taking over as that RB1 who looks unreal as well. And, you know, I, I wish I'd doubled down at that when we got $51 a couple of weeks ago. But, you know, we, we got 31 at the start of the year, which isn't, which isn't too bad at all the way things are going now that your man went down. But, look, huge credit to Seattle who, again, the rookies are doing a fantastic job on defense as well. And they hold a bunch of Denver's picks and Denver could easily finish worst record in the league yeah. and Seattle could still come away with that franchise quarterback somehow this year and make the playoffs.
1: That's true. So, it, it's it's pretty amazing. Mm. I mean, they're, they're third in DVOA offense, uh, fourth in passing offense. Uh, Eugenio Smith is, is like fourth or fifth in passing yards. He's got a, a touchdown interception uh, ratio of 11 to three. Like he's just, he's, he's exceeded all expectations already for, for this season and yeah, you know, they've just got to. They've just got to keep going. And, and like you said, they've got those picks from Denver, and, and Denver are not much chop at the moment. You know, they've got a lot of work to do to, to start turning that around. And yeah, you know, who knows? Like you said, they they could they, they could have a, a playoff spot and still get the number one pick potentially.
0: Which is yeah, just unfathomable to think of when that trade went through. What what might play out in the first seven eight weeks of this season? Now a good little segue because we'll jump into our fantasy update before we get stuck into. You the matches uh, for week eight, and of course, it's our man Geno Smith, well, your man, who you've inserted into the lineup (laughs) because Justin Herbert is on a bye, which is going to test us because we're losing essentially our best three players this week from fantasy, Austin Eckler and Travis Kelsey are also on the bye, but five in a row, mate, we're still top of the league, which is uh, very nice indeed, but yeah, five wins in a row, but
1: we're up against it this week. We are definitely up against it. Our three best players, like you said, all on by in, in uh, Justin Herbert, Austin Eckler, and Travis Kelsey, have all been big time the last five weeks. You know, on on this streak of ours. And yeah, I mean, we have to we have to do something. We have to pull something out of the pocket, I think, to get get the win this week. But we we have brought in Geno Smith. We've had him sitting on the bench for a couple of weeks. Uh, in in. Waiting for this matchup, we knew it was coming, uh, but we have had to uh, had had to you know, make a few kind of makeshift moves. I think we, we brought in Irv Smith at, at tight end to replace Travis Kelsey. We had a, had a couple running backs. Devin Singletary has been pretty good the last few weeks uh, for Buffalo, and I think he gets a a, a starting spot this week. Um, Tony Pollard again starting spot this week, and. Uh it's, it's going to be a struggle. It's going to be a struggle without those three prime movers, but uh, anything's possible. Anything is possible in fantasy, mate. So we won't count ourselves out of it yet, but waiting on the other
0: side, I think, is Josh Allen, who probably will throw for about eight touchdowns against Green Bay, which, <laughs> funnily <laughs> enough, we is- actually... Um- yeah, uh, dropped Green Bay defense to, to bring in the Colts this week just to to, that to shore up reasons. that you know we don't want minus points from the Green Bay defense. Oh, so.
1: d- doubling up on that. I mean, you, you look at uh, you're one of the one of the real solid you know fantasy strategies is is to double up your QB uh, wide receiver combo. Yeah. And we were going QB against the defense, and we thought that's not a double up we want to be doing. Nah, so the- yeah, we've uh, we've dropped the dropped the Packers and uh, brought the Colts in.
0: Yeah, hopefully they'll um, have a few interceptions and maybe a pick six against that uh, Washington offense. But he's hoping, and we can snag another win. Um, huge week on the punt last week for us, uh, which was great. It's, we're not, we don't often say that on the punt return. Sadly, <laughs> well, especially over the last couple of years or the last year, uh, I suppose we've had we've had our good weeks, but last week was uh, one of the better ones. We had a we had a stinky one with with Baltimore not being able to cover after leading big again in that game and. I, I stupidly went Green Bay and things were looking good early, and then it just turned to shit again there. So we will move on to the wins though. Dallas Cowboys covered comfortably. Cincinnati covered comfortably. Kansas City, the lock, covered comfortably. We had a couple of total points plays in the Tennessee, Indianapolis, Houston, LV, and the New York and Denver game. Well done, Nick, to you, mate. I've gone the I went the um, New York double, which I wish I'd doubled down on and at a, a big chunk of that multi because they were pretty much. Um, both even money at the stage, and and would have got you know upwards of four dollars for those two to win. And um, mm-hmm. while they both kind of had to squeak out wins, they did it. They did it well, and the Big Apple saluted with another um, win. So we're back ahead of five hundred with the lock of the week, the Chiefs uh, minus three covering comfortably. So we're four and a three on the lock of the week now. We've won three in a row. The momentum's with us, mate.
1: It is. It, it's it's felt. Not fun calling <laughs> the lock of the week when we've been yeah under five hundred on it for uh, for the last few weeks. But no, back back ahead of the ledger and and hopefully we uh, we keep that run going. We actually haven't haven't spoken about what our uh, what our lock is this week. So we'll get to the end of the show and and we'll have to choose something. But yeah, uh, we'll be doing that on the uh, fly. yeah. Look, it, it 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 was a good week, and anyone who follows us on Twitter would have seen a bunch of green ticks this week. So. That's uh, that's real handy and, and hopefully into uh, week eight with some momentum.
0: Yeah, we love those green ticks. And, and to be honest, we might even start our lock of the week uh, in the early game with the Thursday night football matchup. Because I know we're both keen on one team here and it's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers hosting the Baltimore Ravens. I'll give you a hint, it's not the Buccaneers. Uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, <laughs> as of today, uh, Australian Eastern Time on a Thursday afternoon. Well, Thursday night, I should say, now the Bucs are still favourites. Minus one and a half, total 45 and a half, mate. Take us away.
1: Quite unbelievable that they're favourites mm. after their last month. I mean, it's really worrying times for, for Tampa Bay. They're three and four. They've lost two in a row, four of the last five. And it's not just that they're losing games. And we we know teams can lose games. You know, we saw Cincinnati lose to Baltimore uh, a couple of weeks ago. And, and while they lost the game, it was a really promising performance. And, and they've kind of taken, taken strides ever since. But the way that Tampa Bay have been losing and who they've been losing to, you know, we know that they lost to the Chiefs just under a month ago, and the Chiefs are again one of the best teams in in the competition. But they've also lost to the Packers, and and we've just spoken about how much the Packers are struggling on offense and defense. They've lost to the Steelers, and and we know what the Steelers are like uh, on offense, and and we know that they've struggled without TJ Watt on defense. And now they've lost to the Panthers, who've just sacked their coach, have lost their prime prime mover on the ground. Uh, You know, all of these teams, you'd expect the, the Bucs to, to beat down on over the last couple of years. So uh, I just, I I can't believe that, that the Bucks are favorite here. I have to lean Baltimore. I know it's in Tampa Bay. I know it's in Florida, but I've got to lean Baltimore. And and we know we've spoken about it a number of times over the last month or so that they've been somewhat inconsistent, that they're generally playing all right football, even though they've had those moments of, you know, the, the five or six minutes of disastrous defense or, or, turnover or whatever, um, they're generally playing pretty good football. And and I feel like this game should be closer to, to pick them 50-50 or if not a point and a half Baltimore's way. Uh, so I've got to leave, lean the underdog here and I'm, I'm going the, the Ravens plus one and a half.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more, mate. I, I, was, I was surprised um, to see that the uh, Tampa Bay Bucks were favourites. I thought maybe when I first checked at the start of the week that it was the other way around or if it was very close to pick them. So I'm not sure if the money has come for the Bucks in the last – Day or so, but that that line is very enticing. Um, to get a start on a team that you think should be favourites is always mm-hmm. a nice little play, and, and especially in the early game, why not have a have a crack? And, and I think that the Buck, the, I don't know, they just look shot at the moment. I know that, I'm not going to write them off because obviously they can they have too much talent on that roster, but yeah, mm-hmm. I don't think um, as you alluded to at the top of the show. Personal life and personal problems there for Tom Brady certainly have to be playing in a playing a part in in the way he's he's going about things this year so far. He doesn't look as um you know as happy and as carefree as he's been in the last couple of years in in Florida with the sun on his back. But I don't know, he just looks just looks a bit stressed and things aren't going his way. So it's easy to see why. But yeah, I don't know. They're, they're just not getting enough production. I mean, Leonard Fournette was barely cited last week. I thought he'd have a monster mm. game. It was it was perfectly set up for him to against that Carolina defense, but couldn't get things going. Mike Evans obviously dropped that touchdown off the second or third play of the game, which which probably you know broke the script it in really a way. Set where, the tone. Yeah, that's really that's the word the I was looking for. Set the tone for the game and. I, I know the Ravens have been inconsistent, as you mentioned. And, you know, they've, they almost blew another double-digit lead in the last quarter against the Browns, if not for a, a block field goal. And, and they had kind of a, a late touchdown that would have put Cleveland ahead, waved off due to offensive P.I. So, yeah, I don't know what about the Ravens. I, I certainly wasn't sold uh, on their performance against the Browns last week. They're going to have to... You know, run the football heavily as they did against the Browns. Um, Lamar Jackson is going to have to do a lot with his legs. We know Mark Andrews hasn't been quite as healthy as he, as we'd like, and he hasn't. He didn't even get a target like, or he got one target and no catches last week, which is just unheard of for, for that um, level of or that caliber of tight end. So, yeah, really interesting game. But I, I still think the the Buck uh, the the Ravens, I should say, I won't say good things, but uh, they oh, yeah. they should be getting the job done on based off form it, alone and it's,
1: it's the one it's the one that can like it concerns me having it as the lock because i'm not mm. i'm not entirely confident about it but i do think it's value i think it's the value play i think it's the logical plays to go the underdog here when you think that they should be favorite yeah. or at least pick them uh i think that's the that's the smart thing to do but I, i'm not yeah it's not i'm not saying it's a massive play but i think it's worth worth a go yeah
0: it's a fair point and but i'll just throw this one at you mate it's been uh 20 years since the tampa bay bucks beat the ravens
1: really but
0: they've only played three or four times in that period but <laughs> well, yeah, it's been since fair, to, fair. you have to go back to their super bowl year of 2002 since since they defeated there the ravens but interesting matchup f- to kick off proceedings in week eight certainly uh, a good one as well so The next game we're going to look at is the London game, the final London game of this season. We've still got two more international games on the slate for November, but it's the final time we'll be going across the pond to London. And this time it is the Denver Broncos at the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Jags who have made London their home for the last eight years. They've played eight seasons in a row. This will be their night. They've split their meetings four and four. They actually go in as favorites in this one, minus two and a half. It's, It's easy to see why they're favorites. I mean, Denver have just been God awful and, and, Especially, I mean, we knew that we would struggle last week without Russell Wilson. It's funny to say that they've struggled without him because they're struggling with him, but they could get nothing going on offense. They did have a few more passing yards <laughs> through with Ripon than they did with Russell Wilson, though. So, yeah, that that defense kept him in it against the Jets. Uh, they just weren't able to get the job done. They couldn't make enough big plays on offense, and, and that's been the, the, the problem. And I, that's why I think I would have to lead the Jags here as well just because... I can trust them way more on offense. I know, I mean, their defense is, is not as good as Denver's, but I think their offense far outweighs the, the Denver offense, especially the way it's playing Russell Wilson coming off a, a hamstring injury. He said he's right to go and he'll play, but, Again, short rest maybe, um, a big flight, long flight to London. Not sure that's going to help with his, if any, soft tissue injuries if he does have any issues, although he does have Wolverine blood, he, he says, so <laughs> that might help him. But God knows what's going on in Denver at the moment and, and it's, it's just hard to get excited about him and, yeah, not much else to add other than I think Jacksonville will win this, but it's a, it's a, probably a stay out for me, but just because of the, the poorish offence on, on both teams.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. If, if I had to pick one side over the other, I'd, I'd be leaning Jacksonville here. But I actually think that there's still some value in that in that total points. We went went in the Denver game last week at thirty eight and a half. There's an extra point here uh, in London against Jacksonville, and six of six of seven Denver games have gone thirty nine or under this season, which is pretty amazing. And, and you know, we, we know about the strength of the defense, but we also know about the underperformance of that offense, whether it's with Russell or, or without. So I'm not sure that it even matters whether he plays. It, it served me well last week going that 38 and a half under. Uh, and I'm going to go back to the world this week with the extra point. Uh, like you said, that long flight, Jacksonville offensively are certainly better than Denver at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I think they're underrated defensively as well. And, and that they've got, you know, their, their defense should be strong enough to, to hold out this, this current Denver offense, which isn't much chop. So I'm going back to the well with the uh, with the Unders here, under 39 and a half.
0: Yeah, easy to see why. Well. I mean, Denver are averaging a lousy 14 points or 14.3 points per game this season, which is by far the worst in the league. And, you know, with that defense, do you really think Jacksonville can score 26, 27 if, if Denver are going to score 14? So I, I think that's a smart play, the Unders, uh, if you did want to have a go on this one. Uh, of course, 12.30, uh, Sunday night slash Monday morning for the London game. Now, we'll move on to the 4 a.m. slate here in the NFL for week eight. It's the Chicago Bears who are coming off that monster victory on Monday night football. They go to Dallas to take on the Cowboys, though. The Cowboys are big favorites, minus nine and a half point, nine and a half point favorites. Uh, the total there is 42 and a half.
1: Yeah, I feel like this one's about right. You're right. It was a massive win for the Bears last week at, uh, against New England. Uh, and I certainly didn't see that coming, especially at, at halftime, I think, as well, the, the way that that kind of game script had played out. Didn't see that that result the way that it, it played out. But I, I feel like this line, you know, Dallas are clearly the better team, uh, you know, certainly at least a touchdown better team than Chicago. Uh, but... You know, like I said, we started to see some signs from that Chicago offense last week against New England. Um, if I have to lean one way or the other, it's it's probably again to the unders, just owing to the strength of that Cowboys defense that we know is is elite, and the fact that that Chicago Bears offense is, you know, uncertain. You know, we haven't seen much. We started to see some last week, but we haven't seen much out of out of that unit, and I'm not sure that you can trust them to to, to do that. Again, this is obviously a very different Dallas defense to New England at the moment. Um, so I think it's probably a stay out for me. But if I had to play something, it's probably the de- the, the unders there.
0: Yeah, especially with uh, you know what what Dallas's D did to, to, Detroit, uh, to Detroit last week, who have been really explosive on offense so far this season. Certainly a lot more potent than the Chicago offense, though they did spark to life against the Patriots on Monday Night Football. They've been averaging a paltry 15.5 points a game before that monster blowout uh, where they scored 33 which was the highest ever in, in Justin Fields career and the only other time he he hit 30 points they did lose so a big win for Justin Fields he probably had you know one of the best games of his career he he led the game for for rushing yards 82 yards got a score through a couple they of They ran the ball a lot they ran the ball incredibly yards they had um they absolutely just gashed the the Patriots on the ground. And, you know, they did enough through the air, Justin Fields. He made some nice throws. He's looking more and more comfortable with with Darnell Mooney, which is good to see as well, um, who we, we, we stashed in our fantasy league. He's still hanging in there he, on the bench at the moment. but he,
1: he might get a run this week, to be fair.
0: Well, I don't know about against this Dallas defense. That's the only issue. But, yes, yeah. I suppose we are. We are we might have to. Looking for players this week at the moment. But, yeah, I, I just can't see um, Chicago going in and shocking the Cowboys. It would be very very good to see and, and and especially for you mate it'd be great to see but I can't see the Cowboys um, losing this one and, and you think Dak you know who was pretty pretty quiet last week didn't have to do much um, the defense taking over he might try and open his arms out up in the shoulders and, and hopefully throw for a, a big um, big day and yeah who knows what'll happen there but the Bears defense has been stout as well so should be a bit of a slugfest like you said and Maybe the Unders is the way to go, but it's a no play for me. They have they have used.
1: just lost a pass rusher, though, so, you
0: know. Yeah, a pretty good one, too, <laughs> who's uh, going to end up in the green colours. Uh, LV, that's Las Vegas. They're up against the New Orleans Saints in the next game. Uh, the Saints, uh, sorry, the Raiders are minus one and a half point favourites in this one, but it's uh, a stinky game, let's be honest. I mean, although the Raiders could be kind of starting to build something. I know they're only... Like, Beat the Texans last week. They had the bye the week before, but that's two in a row now for the Raiders after that zero four start. But uh, who knows what's going on with the Saints after we saw what we saw last week in that crazy game on Thursday night football. We saw the Saints, you know, look like they completely owned that first half to being down two touchdowns after you know back to back plays where they they got picked off for for a touchdown. So Andy Dalton though is still going to be the the, the starter this week. They've uh, Dennis Ellis confirmed that. Dalton will start for this one. So Jameis Winston, again, will watch from the sidelines, but you know, he looks okay. He's, he's thrown for a lot of garbage, you know, junk time kind of yards, which probably pads his stats a little bit, but some of the mistakes he made last week, I don't know where he was throwing the ball, but the one thing you got to watch out for in this Raiders team at the moment is, is how dominant Josh Jacobs has been. And just quietly, mm-hmm. he's putting together a pretty amazing season. He had another three touchdowns, 143 rushing yards last week. Um, I mean, albeit it was against the Houston Texans' rush defence, which is just like a turnstile at the moment. But, uh, you know, the Raiders are starting to put together a few good performances and, you know, I think they'll keep going on their merry way this week. But uh, it's almost a play for me at that one and a half, to be honest. I'll, I'll have a think about and get, come back to that. But it could be a play for me there.
1: Six six touchdowns on the ground in the last three weeks for Josh Jacobs, which is pretty amazing. And, and racking up yardage as well. He's, um, he's having a bit of a, a, a career... Season as well, a bit of a yeah, yeah reinforcement. I think that that well, kind you know, of probably hadn't hadn't reached the heights that we'd, we'd expected of him last season. Um, and you know, the, the last kind of month, he's been very very solid. And and you know, the Raiders, I think, would you know, they're banking on that. We know that we know that they can throw the ball. We know that they can catch the ball, and and they're dynamic on offense. And and this is just kind of one of the the, the big pieces to allow them to keep doing you know making big plays because they can trust their men on the ground and. Uh, other than that it's a uh, it's a massive stay out for me I don't want any part in, in betting this game I'm not even sure I want to watch this game even though Josh Jacobs is my number one RB in my in my fantasy team but uh yeah i'm, I'm not I'm not even going to watch this I don't want to talk about it anymore
0: <laughs> fair enough he, he could be in for a big day again though but yeah I don't know the Raiders um the Raiders should go in and win that and, and win it well so let's make it a play for me I'll, I'll take the Raiders at minus one and a half it's Definitely under a field goal, I'll I'll go on and take that one, mate. But uh, we'll move on to the next one. This one's a stay out for me, that's for sure. And that's the uh, Carolina Panthers at the Atlanta Falcons, mate. Uh, the Falcons, of course, going as four and a half point favorites. There you go. They
1: they do, and probably I mean, deserving. Yeah, you know, probably over the course of the season, deservedly so. But you know, we saw what Carolina did last week out of out of nowhere. Um, and so that, that match line, I'm not, I'm not really, really willing to, to have a play at that one, but I do feel like there's some points here and 41 and a half just feels a little bit short. I mean, we've seen, we've seen the Panthers put up 21 on the Bucks last week. The Falcons have already put up 27 on the Rams. They dropped 28 on the Niners. And we know that even with injuries and inconsistency, those two franchises are way, way better than this Carolina Panthers team. Uh, they're a top 10 DV away offense. They're efficient. You know, again, they don't do anything particularly special, but they keep the, they keep the ball moving. They move the chains and, and they score points. And, and I feel like 41.5 is you know, a field goal or a touchdown short of what it should be. So I think I'm playing the overs here.
0: Yeah, fair enough. I can see points in this one for sure, but it's a definite stay-out for me for these two kind of franchises at the moment. But I'll be very much hoping the Panthers can pull off another upset here, the, the Falcons already have those three wins if they win and, and win like the books suggest they should that's that's it that's four wins and no more we cannot have another win for the rest of the season so hopefully the panthers can do me a favor here and, and knock the falcons off but yeah probably hard to see that happening especially in atlanta and, and maybe off the come down of of the high of last week for the panthers but we move on to another interesting game the pittsburgh steelers Who have been better the last few weeks. They're up against the Philly Eagles, of course. Your boys, they go on as favourites, minus 10.5, the equal longest of the week, as you mentioned, with the Buffalo Bills, mate.
1: Uh, Go Birds.
0: (laughs) Simple as that. Simple as that. Yeah, no play for me either. I I would be leaning to Philly, but you've you've taught me over the last uh, 18 months or so that you don't bet in Philly games, so I'll, I'll take mm-hmm. your advice on this one. Although I think uh, it could be a, big, a bit of a big day uh, for the Philly offense, and they could do a it. It could of be,
1: but Pittsburgh's game. one of those teams, and you know, Pennsylvania, you know, state state matchup, state, state club, Like it's just a yeah, it's a, it's a it's a big stay out for me, especially yeah, at that that sort of that sort of line.
0: Well, we've got a couple of other big state blockbusters, I suppose, later in the week. We've also oh, later in the slate, we've got. Battle of California and the Battle of Ohio coming up to look forward to as well, mate. But we'll move on to the next one, and that's Miami Dolphins up against the Detroit Lions in Detroit. The Lions, uh, sorry, the Dolphins uh, minus three and a half point favorites in this one.
1: Yeah, just quietly, Miami have the second best red zone offense in the NFL according to Football Outsiders, and this week they come up against the second worst defense in the league according to Football Outsiders, which is not a good sign for Detroit. They're they're the second worst. Uh, ranked in pass defense, fourth worst rank in rush defense, fifth worst rank in overall red zone defense. Uh, Miami's red zone defense isn't anything special either, but their offense, you know, two is back and Tyreek running away with that receiving crown that, that you picked at the start of the season. Jalen Waddle's not that far behind either. They're both in the top five for receiving yards, uh, you know, scoring at will as, as well. I just think that, that, that Miami have too much firepower for the Lions and even away from home for Miami. We know that they like playing in the sunshine in, in Florida, but they, they've seen them. They've seen them take out Baltimore in, in the cold, in those sort of conditions as well. Um, and, you know, we know that Detroit are getting some players back. It looks like DeAndre Swift has practiced fully this week. Uh, Amon Ra and Brown is is looking likely to come back as well. It's not confirmed yet, but you know, they're getting some talent back on offense, but yeah, I just feel like that this line at, at three and a half points should be closer to a touchdown rather than just over a field goal. So I think I'm on the uh, on the Dolphins here at minus three and a half.
0: Yeah, you've talked me into that, mate. I, I think um, I, I'd be a huge play if it was a, a flat three or two and yep. a half, of course. But yeah, I still think that three and a half is is unders for the Dolphins, who, sh- who should be you know at least a six or five point favorite here in, in this one. So for me, it's the Dolphins as well, minus three and a half. I just think. They'll get their offense right. I know they they looked unbelievable in the first drive of the game against Pittsburgh. You think, "Geez, this is going to be an absolute blowout." But to the Steelers' defense credit, they stiffened and and really made it a, you know a really challenging game for the Dolphins the rest of the way. They couldn't get things going after that first drive, and you know since week two, um, tour and uh, sorry, tour Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill hadn't got into the end zone. You know they've been putting up huge you know, huge numbers, but they haven't been scoring touchdowns. Um, both haven't since week two, so. This is the game to get right, I think, for the Dolphins. For the, for the times you mentioned, you know, the red zone efficiency compared to the deficiency of that Detroit red zone, mm. uh, as well as them averaging over 32 points per game allowed. So it's just, um, you know, very easy for offenses at the moment. Uh, they looked better against the Dallas Cowboys, but just could nothing could get nothing going on the offensive side. And I think, you know, the Dolphins' defense, while they haven't been Unbelievable at creating turnovers or, or getting sacks. They've been pretty solid at you know limiting the big plays and limiting yards. And I think Detroit will be chasing um, chasing tail on this one throughout. So let's hope the the Dolphins get off to a big lead and and they can stay there. But I think this is a get right game for the Dolphins and their offense. So minus three and a half, I'll happily take that as well, my friend. Uh, we're in line Very there, good. so that, that we could be looking at a lock there. But you know, it's not something. Yeah. That's that's probably the one at the moment. But anyway, we'll move on to uh, an all-NFC matchup. The Arizona Cardinals coming up against the Minnesota Minnesota Vikings, who are fresh off their bye. They go in as minus three-and-a-half-point favorites. And they, yeah, just going about their business quietly, aren't they, the Vikings? I mean, hasn't been too much fanfare about them. I know they've just come off the bye, like I said. But five and one, they're three and zip at home. They're doing everything right, the Vikings. And a stat I was looking at earlier today was, was an interesting one. But they've actually... Got a really poor uh, yardage differential. They're actually allowing 50 or so more yards than they're generating themselves, but the point differential is actually flipped and they've actually got the third best point differential in the NFC. So hmm. while they're still giving up those big chunk plays, they're just doing enough. They're keeping teams out of the, out of the end zone, uh, holding them to field goals or whatnot, and then scoring themselves. So yeah, Minnesota have been doing everything right. They've been in close games pretty much every week. And, and that's the story of the Vikings franchise for forever. They're always in those close one possession games and mm. they've been coming out the right side of them this year. And five and one they're they're laughing. They're strolling to an NFC North title, the way the, the Packers are going. So I think they'll improve again, stay undefeated at home and they'll, they'll be beating the Cardinals. It's not a game I could probably bet in for that exact reason that, you know, um, they'll probably allow a couple of late touchdowns that'll get the Cardinals back in it or something stupid will happen with the Vikings here. So they're a stay out for me, but I think they're, they're going along beautifully and, you know, their defense, like I said, giving up a lot of yardage, but they're, they're keeping teams out of the end zone. And that's the main thing.
1: Yeah, spot on. And, and it's that, it's that inconsistency that you, that you kind of mentioned, like they, they, they will beat down on a team and then let up you know, a, a late touchdown or a couple of couple of touchdowns in the last quarter and just give up, give up some of those points. And, um yeah, I we we know that they're the better team, like you said, that for the most part that they're doing everything right, but it's that it's that, you know, kind of five minute, eight minute period that, that they kind of give up points and and that inconsistency that we've been talking about for years. And and I feel like that this this line and the total are pretty much spot on from the books at the moment. It's, it's probably a stay out for me.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. I think that's exactly right and where i probably have it as well. So Likewise, mate, a stay up for me. This is a really interesting matchup. Another battle of the AFC East here. The New England Patriots come up against the New York Jets. The Jets go in as... A, sorry, the Patriots go in as favourites in this one. Can you believe that? Minus two and a half.
1: It's, it's a really intriguing matchup, this one. Like you said, it's, it's a tough one to pick as well. Um, we know we, we've spoken about what the Bears did to the, the Pats last week. Uh, 243 yards on the ground. Uh, against the Pats last week. We know that the Jets like to run the ball, but as we've touched on at the top of the show, they're without their star rookie uh, for the first time in, in Brees Hall, who's been dominating that ground game for, for New York, uh, up to, to the point where he got injured last week, 10th in rushing yards, uh, four touchdowns on the ground. They bring in James Robinson, obviously, as that replacement that we've already touched on from Jacksonville. And he's a pretty handy backup to have You know, over the last couple of years. Uh, to two and a third seasons he's gone 2700 yards from scrimmage 22 touchdowns over that period um, it's a pretty handy player to kind of plug and play but it's a brand new team a brand new offensive line brand new playbook uh, how quickly can he get acclimatized into this offense and you know we know how important uh, you know we know how how easily some running backs can move teams and and continue to, to, to kind of you know, put up put up yards and and put up points, but you know week to week is a different proposition to coming in and having a having a a full training camp and all that sort of stuff with, with an offense and learn the playbook. Um, so I think that's going to be a that's going to be a really important point for for New York over the next you know week or two. Brees Hall was averaging five point eight yards per carry. Robinson this season at, at four point two, which isn't bad, but you know it's it's a long way from five point eight. Um, I would normally really like the Jets in this spot but it is a stay out based purely on the fact that the Jets are a really run heavy team. They're missing their big runner. They've plugged and played at someone else into that spot, but I want to see how they go with, with Robinson first as their RB one and, uh, and see how that goes. But otherwise I would, I would really like, you know, if that's Reese Hall in, in this game, I'm, I'm playing this line on, on the Jets every day.
0: It's a fair, it's a fair point and a fair concern to have. I, I just think, when I read that out, I actually expected it to be the other way around. I was reading it the wrong way because I was shocked to think that the Patriots could be favourites in this one, especially after what we saw on, on Monday night. I know it might have been an, an aberration or an outlier, but that's a beatdown by the Chicago Bears who aren't all much chop and, and the New York Jets, the way they've been playing on defence lately. And again, I know they've been running the ball well with Brees Hall, but you know they can you can almost plug in and play these guys and, and I know it's going to, like you said, I agree with all your points, but I just think that they're a better team at the moment, a better um, all rounded team. So I don't trust Matt Jones or Bailey Zappi for that matter at the moment. It doesn't mm. look like Matt Jones will start in this one. but And as I touched on at the top of the show, Zach Wilson certainly hasn't set the world on fire. If anything, he's probably been, um, you know, the Achilles heel for the Jets at the moment and, and, and probably holding him back a little bit, but... I think they, they win and, and win at home here, and, and there's no way that they should be um, underdogs, essentially, in a game that should be pick them at the very least, especially at home. So I'll take the points absolutely for for the JETS Jets this week. So plus two and a half, happy to be on that for the Jets. Uh, we move across to the 7 a.m. slot. The uh, the first game of that is uh, Tennessee at Houston. Um, the big question mark will be, of course, Ryan Tannehill, the Tennessee Titans are at this stage with him potentially as the starter, they are minus two and a half point favorites,
1: mate. Yeah, it, it is the big question. Like you've you've mentioned, how's his ankle going? He was in a walking boot as we as we mentioned at the top of the show, only a, a day or go earlier today in, in a walking boot. Um so how healthy can he can he be come Sunday night football, uh or you know, Monday morning Australian time? And if he's not ready, then how ready is Malik Willis, as we touched on, to take the reins? for for a week or two, um, like we said, he he had three touches, he had three snaps last week, but only one was at quarterback, and he didn't even throw the ball in, in that in that play. Um, we know that the talent discrepancy between these two franchises is, is humongous. Uh, we know that the the Tennessee Titans are a better franchise. It's still a division game, and the the Texans, as as bad as they've been over the last few years, and and as bad as we expect them to, to keep being for a period of time, they've They've lost all but two games this year, and their two non-losses have both come in division games, had the tie against the Colts, and then that really low-scoring game against the Jags. So I don't know. I'm just not confident on the Titans here with question marks at at QB and and that potential rookie quarterback coming in if, if needed. Um, but I do think that that trend continues with low-scoring games in, in these division in these division matchups. Uh, only one of the four AFC South matchups this season have gone over this total at, at forty and a half points. And I think this one stays under two, so I'm going to play the unders again in, in this one under forty and a half.
0: Well, you might have talked me into that just for those beautiful stats. And, and like you said, they're, they're not usually shootouts the AFC South matchup. So yeah, hard to see hard to argue with that on that basis, especially if um, Malik Willis comes in, you know, um, untried rookie quarterback. Uh, that's, that's That could be a huge get on, actually. I really like that unders, but I, I won't be playing as yet. But um, if Tannehill is the starter, they, they should be able to have their way with that Houston um, defense, especially the way Derek Henry could have, you know, could have a monster day. I'd certainly look to mm-hmm. be playing his his props in this one, obviously. We don't have any yet, but he he could be on for a monster day, one of those 200 yard rushing days if he if all going well and the game script uh, allows it. That if the Titans get up early, um, there's no reason why King Henry couldn't have an absolute monster day. So for anything maybe under three figures, I'd say at this stage you'd almost you'd happily play play the overs there for Derrick Henry and the the rush yards, but certainly a stay out in terms of a head to head bet in this one. Uh, anything could happen, and especially, like we said, if Tannehill doesn't play it, it certainly brings the Texans closer to the Tennessee Titans, but a stay out from that point of view. But agree with you, mate. Uh, the under 40 and a half does look appealing in the AFC South matchup. Uh, interesting one, this one. This is uh, a huge game between two of the big surprise packets. Of course, the 6-1 and one Giants go into Seattle to play the 4-3 and three Seahawks. The Seahawks, though, of course, at home with the twelfth man are the favourites minus three. Any thoughts on this one, mate? no, uh, no, nah,
1: nah. I'm getting closer. I'm getting closer to the Giants, but nah, can't can't do it this week. Not against uh, MVP candidate Gino Smith in Seattle, <laughs>
0: mate. Uh, look, this could be the could be the run over for me and the Giants this week. I I don't know if they can go into Seattle and knock them off. I, I mean, with three points, you'd you'd almost play them just the way they're they're going and. But yeah, it, I just think the Seahawks at home are, are still being, you know, still very difficult proposition, especially this season. They've proven that. But um, yeah, you think that things potentially have to change for the Giants. But in some well, way. you've got
1: your you've got your bottle of scotch coming from from our our bet. Well, I think season, I need one so more. I think I thought it was, was six. Was it not six? six? Was a push. Okay, all right. Well, maybe, maybe not. Maybe the wheels fall I think off. Think you said six was a push, which down.
0: I was, I was happy to run with six was a push. But um, <laughs> I think we might get seven at some stage, mate. Might not be. This I think, week, I but- think,
1: I think you might be. I think you might be fairly safe with that one. I can't see them uh, running the table the wrong way for the for the rest yeah. of the season. But uh, yeah, look, th- this could be this could be a worry just in the way that the Seattle offense is playing. But they are missing. D.K. Metcalf, which is a, a huge loss for for Seattle. Um, yeah. We know they've got the crowd behind them in, in Seattle, but I just, I, I just can't bet the Giants. I just, I just can't do it. And, and I hope that Seattle smashed
0: them. <laughs> I won't be betting the Giants in this one either. I think the play here is is around rushing player props. We've got two of the worst rushing defenses in the league um, giving up here. We've got Seattle giving up almost 150 yards. New York just behind them at 144. Both ranking in the bottom five. So. With guys like Saquon Barkley, Kenneth Walker, and even the quarterbacks of um, Geno Smith and Daniel Jones, who we both know they can use their legs, and even the backup uh, running backs, there might be some props to play um, in this one. So I'd be very interested to play some some same game multis and player props in, in this game. But
1: well, know, New York, run. New York are the third worst rush defense according to uh, defensive DVOA and Football Outsiders. Yeah. So that's uh, that's something to, to consider.
0: Yeah, for sure, it could be a very run heavy uh, game from both teams. So, stay out though from he- from us in the head to head stakes in that one. Uh, we move on to another one uh, that could be a stay out, especially in the head to head market, and that is Washington at the Indianapolis Colts, who have a new quarterback this week. They go on as minus three point favorite. So,
1: it's it's again a pretty pretty ugly game, and mm. uh, I know it's not a division matchup like we we just talked about with the Texans and Titans, but um, yeah, it's another AFC South team in in Indy, uh, and and another team that kind of tends to or skews to low scoring games. Only three of of the the Colts seven games this season have hit forty points or, or more, and one of those games was exactly forty, and that was the tie with Houston uh, that, that we touched on earlier. So, the, their opponents this week, your old mob, the uh, the Washington Football Team, Commanders, Redskins, uh, four of their games have gone under forty as well. So. I expect that that trend stays the same. And, and I'm, again, yeah, I know it's a, it's a low total again, but I'm, I'm pretty happy to play the under under 40 here, under 39 and a half.
0: When did Washington change their name to the football team commanders, Redskins? I like it though; It's got a ring to it.
1: Oh, I think they just, yeah, they've got no identity. So, you know, they've, <laughs> they've tried to piece it all together from, uh, you know, their long... This is and...
0: why they're my old mod mate. Exactly right. Because of <laughs> these stupid things. But anyway, look, I, Sam Allinger gets a gig... Um, had a pretty good college career now Matt Ryan's been benched we know he had a bit of an injury or a separate shoulder or something that he's he's somehow thrown for over 2,000 yards this year he, he's fourth in the league <laughs> it's very surprising but yeah the great man uh, the unfortunately
1: man most win. of those most of those yards have gone to uh safeties <laughs> and corners <so. laughs>
0: yeah well, I was gonna say he's got a equal league high in fumbles he's got uh the most interceptions he's he's just a turnover machine and, and Frank Reich has seen enough and, and look, it, oh, it's a sad way for him to potentially end his career, especially after being a, an MVP and very close to a Super Bowl champion. But yeah, it just hasn't worked out for the Indianapolis Colts. Who would have thought that he wouldn't have lasted as long as Carson Wentz. So again, it's just been a, a quarterback carousel in, in Indy and, Again, they get, they're just sitting in man, no man's land. And unless they bottom out, they're probably not going to get the guy. But Sam Allinger, hopefully that's their guy in Indy now going forward. And he gets a perfect opportunity to come up against a pretty ordinary defense, the Commanders, although they did hold the Packers. Again, the Packers. Have been putrid, <laughs> but the defense held the Packers to just over 230 yards last week, total yards. So um, they were certainly improved last week. Taylor Heineke had a very bad start, but then came good and, and did what he needed to do. Made some good throws and, and did some good scrambles with his legs as well. But it's an absolute stay out for this one for a head to head bet. I probably again agree with you for the unders for the reasons that you pointed out. It's just two offenses that I can't trust at the moment, and and the defenses are solid enough, I suppose. So uh, stay out for me. But yeah, again, maybe uh, if you if you feeling feeling dangerous, get on the unders with uh, with Nicky Boy and and play that game and we might be able to multi-up a few dirty under games there, but the
1: unders and overs have been pretty good to us in the last. Yeah, the they, last have. Few weeks, they so... have.
0: And, and look, the trend this year has been towards unders, especially in um, yeah, a couple of these kind of matchups. So anyway, we'll move on. And, and the final game of the, the early slate, well, sorry, the, the late slate of the early window, if that makes sense. Uh, San Francisco 49 is a huge one The LA Rams, at home at SoFi Stadium, the Niners go in as minus one and a half point favourites. And geez, it's a tough game to pick, especially after what we saw by from the Niners last week. And really wow. not which way to go. And and look, they they've owned this rivalry recently. Absolutely owned it, the Niners. And they they took the absolute piss out of the Rams earlier in the year on, on Monday night football, where they just harassed Matthew Stafford. It's not exactly the same defense this time around with a, a lot of injuries. Um the Rams are trying to get to it. Just do things probably a little bit differently and, and run the ball. I know they were trying to run the ball that night and not get things going. But, yeah, I don't know. Maybe things are different now with Cam Akers out of the side and Matthew Stafford will have his, um, one of his receivers back shortly in Van Jefferson, not for this time, for this clash. But, I don't know, it just sets up for a, a monster a game from Christian McCaffrey. I think he kind of holds the holds the key in this one, obviously, um, the Rams are going to need some help on defense um, well Aaron Donald's going to need some help I should say And mm. he was a one man band last time these two teams played and and rightly so that uh, the Niners came in and just absolutely walloped him and, and that was a big blowout win and I just don't know if there's going to be enough turnaround I know they only played maybe four or five weeks ago so I'll probably have to be on the Niners here with no confidence whatsoever but um, I'd lean Niners in this one mate how about you?
1: Yeah, I mean we we know how much talent is on both of these teams, but neither of them are really showing it consistently or, or at all in some cases. Uh you know, we've spoken about the Rams and how far they seem to have fallen from their Super Bowl win uh you know, not even a, a year ago. Um and like you said Aaron Donald's trying to do it all all on his own and and he just can't. You you can't win games of football against really good football teams with one guy doing it all. And and on offense, they're just not, they're not putting it together. They're not consistent. They're not making the right plays. They're not making the right calls on defense. You know, they're leaving too much to too little. Um, so I, I can't, I I can't in good faith play this game. I'll watch it because I'm intrigued to see how, how they line up. I want to see McCaffrey again with with the Niners and and how that, how that plays and how he develops that chemistry in, in that offense. Um, and I'm intrigued about the Rams and I, I still feel like they've got too much talent to be playing this poorly um, this often. And, and at some point it's got a turn for them, but uh, yeah, I'm not unhinged. I can't, I can't bet this one, um, but it's uh it's a really intriguing matchup, like you said, for the division, Uh, you know, super important. And, and, you know, both teams need to start, start putting wins on the board.
0: Yeah. Look, I, I couldn't, couldn't argue there, mate. I just, yeah, it's an intriguing matchup. I'm just for the more so for the Rams for me and how they mm. kind of reshaped their season now. They've had their bye. Huge, huge game. Sean McVeigh would have, you know, been you know scared, circled this game on the calendar, you know, coming off the bye, new things. So for that reason, it's a stay out because who knows what's going to happen. But yeah, very, very intriguing matchup because you'd think the winner, well, sorry, the loser might even be out of contention, especially if it's the Rams um, for the division to be, you know, to lose both games to the Niners. Uh, yeah. yeah, it makes a big difference. So, yeah, can't wait to watch that one. Uh Sunday night football, not as exciting as it may have once been on the calendar, but it's the uh, <laughs> Buffalo Bills hosting the Green Bay Packers. And as we mentioned, the Bills, biggest favourites of the weekend, along with your boys, uh, minus 10.5 points against the Packers here. And, yeah, it's hard to see how the Packers could potentially even cover that or come close to that, and I think, I'd probably have to lean to the the Bills here as well and, and it might even make it a play that they're um, minus 10.5-point favourites. I just feel a bit dirty doing it against the Packers who have been so solid and so good for so long. And and Matt LeFleur, um, he's already had the most losses he's ever had in an NFL season, which is remarkable to think that, um, you know, since he's taken over the team, they've just been regular season um, weapons. I know they haven't really progressed um, to a Super Bowl or done anything like that, but they've just been unbeatable in the regular season. I know it's been a... I just... I don't know. I, don't, I just didn't think it'd be that... I know it was going to be a big loss losing Devontae, but they just looked like a completely different team without him, haven't they? And it, and it certainly doesn't help that AJ Dillon hasn't shown up this year. Aaron Jones has been a bit of a one-man band in the running game. Um, They haven't had any receivers step up. Alan Lazard kind of had his moments, but again, looked a bit injured last week. So it'll be interesting to see if he plays. Sammy Watkins came back, and he was almost like the, the his favorite deep threat. And you can't be mm. trusting Sammy Watkins at this stage of his career. So, I yeah, I feel grave concerns for the Packers that they could end up blowing it up after this season, or even halfway through this season. But the Bills are, are rolling, and you know, fresh off a buy home crowd Sunday night football, the Bills mafia are going to be out in force, and I think they they give the Packers a, a bit of a lesson here on Sunday night football.
1: I. Could not agree more. I, I feel like, you know, this the, the total points on, on this game is forty-seven and a half. And I feel like the way that this Packers defense is is underperforming, the way that their offense is just completely dysfunctional, that uh JA and the Bills could, could probably put up fifty on them if they really wanted to, uh, just on their own. And and that being said, that that total line of forty-seven and a half has only been hit once in seven Buffalo games by one point in that forty-one seven beatdown of the Titans. Uh, a month ago. It's the only time that, that the Bills games have gone over 47 points. So, you know, that that's one to watch. But I lean to the overs here because I, I really think that the Bills can put up a heap, a heap of points yeah. on, on the Packers. Um, but I do think that that a similar scoreline to that Titans game uh, a couple of weeks ago is very possible for the Bills. And so even though it is that equal biggest line of the week, it, it still feels short, like you said, that the Packers' defense hasn't been anywhere near what we expected them to, to look like, we know the offense has been disgusting, like you said, on the receiving end. Alan Lazard has had his moments, but it certainly hasn't been that that wide receiver one that we were hoping that he might be able to step up yeah. to be. Sammy Watkins, I mean, if Sammy Watkins is your is your big deep ball threat, like you said, at this stage of his career, then you're in real trouble. Um, this could be the worst loss that the Packers have had in years. And, and mm. we saw them, you know, week one last year was that 38-3 to the Saints. This could be worse than that. Um, and so ten and a half, while it's while it's long, I feel like it's still short. Um, so I'll probably play both lines. Might have a little double on the double, but definitely the the bills at minus ten and a half, and and probably a play on the overs at forty seven and a half as well.
0: Yeah, I like the double the double there, mate. I don't mind that at all. I'd I'd, oh, I'd be very surprised if it's 38.3. Oh, maybe I wouldn't. I don't know. I just feel like the loss, even if it is something like that, it'd be a, it'll be a worse loss because of the context of, of where the team is at now. Last mm. week, last year they had it obviously all season to get it right, uh, which they did, uh, and it was a bit of an aberration. But it certainly doesn't look that way this season. It looks it looks job done for the Packers, especially if they get blown out on Sunday Night Football, as we expect. Uh, we move on to Monday Night Football, and it is the Battle of Ohio. I mentioned earlier the Cincinnati Bengals go into Cleveland to take on the Browns. Have the Bengals got rolling now the AFC champions? They go in as minus three and a half favourites in this one, mate. We
1: were, we were a bit worried about a month mm-hmm. ago about the Bengals and, and the way that they'd started the season. We know that they re- retooled their offensive line uh, to to try and protect Joey Burrow. We know that he had four interceptions in week one and you know was was a bit of a sack machine in in terms mm-hmm. of getting sacked those, those first few weeks and and he's still he's still getting sacked. I think he's been sacked twenty-five times on, on the season. But he just, you know, he, he's a bit of a freak, Joey Burrow. He just keeps getting up and, and bouncing back again and just keeps doing what he does. And you know, just quietly the Bengals have won four of their last five. That that one loss was that honorable loss to the Ravens that final second Justin Tucker field goal uh that that only lost in their last five. Um, and, and they didn't really do anything wrong in that game that the Bengals. So uh yes yeah, really really intriguing matchup and and like you said they're starting to roll the bengals joe burrow uh as we've talked about is, is in the top five mvp betting at 17 dollars you take out that week one performance which was still 338 yards and two touchdowns but had those those four interceptions he's at uh 1759 yards an average of 293 per game 13 touchdowns to just one interception And Cleveland, for what it's worth, is ranked just 28th in DVOA against passing offences. So, you know, it's a real worry with Joe Burrow playing the way that he has been over the last month. Uh, And, you know, all those receivers, t Higgins, Tyler Boyd, Jamar Chase were were essentially 100-yard receivers last week um, in in that uh, mammoth passing game for for the Bengals. Um, I I just feel like the Bengals have the advantage here in, in many facets out at at quarterback, the passing offense, overall defense, but it's still three and a half points in, in the battle of Ohio that you you said. And and I'm not sure that like, like we talked about with some of those division matchups earlier in the slate, I'm not sure I want to take over a field goal right now. If that comes down to a flat three, then I might have a little play, but uh, at three and a half, it's probably a stay out. I'm, I'm leaning Cincinnati to win, but yeah, not taking over a field goal in, in, this kind of division and state rivalry game.
0: Yeah, I agree, mate. I think um, the Bengals keep it rolling in Cleveland, but again, probably not confident to take over a field goal. And like you said, on the road against a division rival who are essentially playing a little bit for their season at the moment. I mean, it was looking good early days in Cleveland, but they've lost four in a row, I think it is now, and all of a sudden sit at two and five, and it might be too much work to do for Deshaun Watson to kind of resurrect this team, and and Nick Chubb, as well as he's gone the last couple of weeks, they've still been lower games for him, or you know below below his best. Which, you know, he's going to need to rush for over 100, 100 yards, hundred twenty yards every week if the Browns are the Browns are to win because they're just giving up too many points and off on defense for one, and then secondly they just can't move the ball through the air or well enough. And you know Jacoby Brissett has looked good in, in in parts, but he's looked awful in others, and and that's probably been the, the biggest. Concern, I suppose, for the Browns, and while Miles Garrett's putting up good numbers with the sacks, he's not getting much help, and like you said, they're they're very um, very um, deficient against the the pass. So, which just plays into Joey Burrow's hands, who's who's come alight, and and like you said, he's he's staying upright more, <laughs> certainly more than he was in the first few weeks, mm. and it's made a huge difference. And just that connection with Jamar Chase is just something unbelievable isn't it and you know we saw how good Tyler Boyd is as well last week he's essentially their number three and he put up mm. some monster numbers last week and he and could be a starting wide receiver at most other friends or a lot of other franchises so they're very they bat very deep on offense the uh, the Bengals their, their defense is solid enough and, and they've been doing well and you know their only losses this year have been by a field goal or under so they've been right in it and, and they still look like a, a quality team and the the real contender, I suppose, in the AFC outside of of the obvious two of Kansas City and and Buffalo once again. So, yeah, interesting game to to wrap up uh, week eight. But, yeah, again, for me, mate, it's a no play. But uh, looking forward to it as always. Now, we've got to pick a lock of the week, mate. We are flying high with three in a row to get to four and three. Now, there's a couple. I know we mentioned the Baltimore game, but we probably won't go there. We're probably not as confident as we are in a couple others, which look to me to be Miami or the Buffalo Bills.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. Interesting one because Miami at three and a half feels feels short, mm-hmm. uh, and Buffalo, even though it's ten and a half, almost feels shorter. So I, I don't know. I mean, the the safe play is probably Miami, given the long the long line for for Buffalo, but I don't know what's your what's your gut feel here.
0: Um, <clears throat> my gut feel probably was. The Dolphins, as well, just because of that lower line for one. But we've bet on Detroit twice this year, and they've fucked us. So I'm hesitant to stay to bet in a Detroit game again. And look, the Bills covered comfortably when we played them. That was against the Steelers, though, not the Packers. But I, I can't see the, the Packers getting close to the Bills. So maybe that's the way we go. You want
1: to go? You want to go the Bills?
0: Yeah, let's ride the Bills. Let's I know, do it again. It's a, it's a long line, but. Like you said, it could be...
1: It's it's a long line for a reason.
0: That's exactly right. It could be it could be disaster for Green Bay.
1: Let's put it in. Let's lock it in. Lock of the week is locked in. Buffalo Eddie. minus 10 and a half. Could be the Ooh. dumbest move that we've made for a while, but it also, yeah, it no, makes no. sense. We'll be, we'll be counting our cash. Confident. <laughs> Yeah, look, I'm I'm happy with that. I, I would have been happy with either of them. Like you said, you probably lean to that shorter line at three and a half, just because it feels safer. But
0: three, yeah. three is a smaller number than ten, Nick. If you is it, yeah. So <laughs> just uh, on the fly, and we'll just work. But yeah, ten, ten is a lot. Is seven more than three? But uh, I think Josh Allen has plenty of points in him. So let's ride that ten and a half points, mate.
1: Let's do it. Let's do it. J. A. and the Bills at home against. Uh, Whoever they are on offense in uh, in Green Bay, Uh, some some dude and a bunch of other dudes. So, yeah, let's 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 do it. Let's do Buffalo minus ten and a half. It's locked in. It's in the run sheet. That's that's uh, color coded green because we're four and three. We're we're up ahead of the ledger, so we're locked in.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's as good as um, writing it in stone, mate. The uh, the run sheet. So it's locked in there. So we're 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 caught. We're in for Buffalo minus ten and a half. But that'll bring us to the end of the show, mate. Thank you very much again, as always, for your company. I really appreciate it.
1: No, thank you, mate. I think you're doing a great job taking the reins, and uh, certainly, certainly, uh, I think improved the the quality of the <laughs> okay. the the way that we've the way that we've performed over the last few weeks.
0: Look, I'd, I'd like to take credit, but I definitely don't believe that's the case, mate. But yeah, thank you for your kind words, and thank you for listening, as always, folks. We'll catch you again next week on the punt return. Go Bills.
1: Go Birds. Go Phillies.